You're tuned in to Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Andy Barrar. First show of 2016. Pretty exciting, Andy. I always love doing the first show of the year because uh, CES is just around the corner. That's the Consumer Electronics Show. So we kind of predict the big trends that we're going to see in the tech world and the big themes. And that we'll be seeing uh, in a couple of days when we head down to Las Vegas to attend the Consumer Electronics Show. It is literally nerd heaven. Uh, 150 to 200,000 geeks and nerds converge on Las Vegas. Uh, all the big tech manufacturers are there. There's like 22 football fields. 33. 30, 33. Okay. 33, 33 football. football fields full of tech gadgets and goodness and we go down there every year to see what's coming up for 2016 and beyond so uh pretty excited about it and you know this year i gotta be honest andy i'm probably a little more excited than i i have ever been in the past five years because i think there's a lot of new stuff coming out now and you know things from home automation to wearables uh, and especially now car technology as well that i think uh is going to be very exciting for 2016 the funny thing is the big auto uh, te- uh, show happens the following week, but all the car manufacturers are at CES because there is just so much technology in cars right now. We're seeing a huge shift to electric vehicles, and I think this year will be the first year we see an electric vehicle at a price point that most people can afford. So it's really going to see a big shift towards more electric types of vehicles not just cars but they call them rideables rideables that's yes. the new uh the new uh, tech word you're gonna hear you're gonna hear about wearables rideables and hearables that's another one that hearables hearables that's basically uh the the headphone manufacturers are going to start putting sensors inside the headphones so they're going to try to basically give us a reason or entice us to spend a little bit more to get more tech inside our headphones which just about everybody has well, we will be down there uh, come next week, and we will be uh, updating our uh, website, getconnectedmedia.com, uh, with uh, daily coverage. We'll have videos of some of the hottest stuff down there. We'll also be, uh, uh, I'm sure, uh, uh, calling into uh, CKNW here as well, giving uh, tech updates uh, you know, to show all the stuff that uh, we've been seeing. The car stuff is fascinating to me, uh, Andy. Uh, we talked about electric cars. Uh, the new Chevy Bolt uh, will be unveiled down there i'm excited about that this is a uh an electric car from gm that is affordable and actually has decent range 300 kilometers and it's going to be selling for about 35 to 40 us which is amazing well for years if you wanted an electric car like a tesla you had to pay a lot of money 100 grand exactly but the thing is the battery technology has gotten better so that was the big big cost of all these electric vehicles and when you got guys like Tesla who are making entire plants now to make these lithium-ion batteries at a more affordable rate, you're going to see that price point come down, just Moore's Law, basically. And now that it becomes affordable, we'll see more electric vehicles, especially because nobody – one of the big things they talk about electric vehicles is range anxiety. And that's when you're going to run out of power before the next uh, stop where you can charge up. So once they can get rid of that, I think – and a good price point – you're going to see a lot more electric vehicles on the road. We're going to see self-driving cars as well, autonomous cars that can actually get you to your destination without you doing anything. Obviously, the laws have to catch up with that. Uh, Tesla, uh, they've got their autonomous mode. Uh, we're going to see this from other manufacturers like Audi and Mercedes. Uh, I'm interested to know how good this technology is and, and when we can actually start using it. 
Yes, I, if, I think it was Google that said in 2020 is when they really want to start seeing autonomous vehicles on the road. They've been doing this for years now. They've had a car that's been driving across the U.S. autonomously without a driver. Uh, rumor is that Ford and Google are going to make an announced uh, some kind of a partnership for an autonomous vehicle. We've seen it. We've seen it work. And it, it's kind of fun to sit in behind a vehicle that's kind of driving itself. But to make that mainstream, like you said, the laws have to come in place. It really becomes a question of who's liable. If this thing gets into an accident, who's liable? Is it the manufacturer who made the car or is it the person that bought the car? And so, yeah, see, that's the crazy thing. Until they can solve those kind of problems, we're not going to see this uh, on the streets. But it's only a matter of time before that happens. I've read some interesting articles about this whole self-driving car business. And it's interesting, like, because they have to give them almost artificial intelligence. And at, at what point is the car working in your favor or for the greater good? So, yes. for example, uh, the computer in your car is sensing that you're about to get in a major accident with another car. And it's calculating that um, it's got to make a maneuver. Does it save uh, the lives in the other car? Or your car. Yeah. Because maybe it could save more lives if it does a certain thing, but it basically dooms you. <laughs> does it you know, does it work for you or for the other people? That's the interesting thing because you know, we all have that survival instinct when yes. we're driving, but the car does not have that. It does not put you as like the, the sole thing to, to keep alive. Yeah. Say for example, you're heading towards like four pedestrians. Yeah. Um, but to to save them, it's gotta drive you off a cliff. Mm-hmm. What does it do? Now, it's like I read those same articles, and yeah. they have like algorithms that are basically will make that decision. The car will decide who it has to sacrifice in that situation, but it's really utilitarian. So it's trying to save the, the most amount of people, not just you. And uh, we're going to have to see. This is a big trend that you're going to see if you're going to have these Are people going to be hacking their cars to make sure the car saves them? Yeah, it's more like selfishness meter on the, on the car. <laughs> but... These are big issues. Uh, yeah, I want to. I want to talk to the car guys about this. Like, how how does it determine that? And will it get? Will that technology improve over time? Like, this is still new technology. It's not ha- like ten years ago there weren't autonomous vehicles, or they were just starting to make them. But now that we're seeing that technology actually prove itself on roads, we just got to know if it can, if we can see it on a mass scale. Because as soon as you could buy a car that drives itself, that changes everything. It's going to be uh, pretty exciting. Uh, something I talked to Jill Bennett this morning on her show was uh, technology and privacy. And this is something that I think all listeners need to be aware of, especially as tech becomes more and more infused with our lives. Uh, you know, everything from the wearables uh, to your smartphone uh, to the GPS uh, in, in your phone and, and even your cars now. That information is basically giving all sorts of uh, info out there your location. Uh, A lot of these devices now, like your smartphone, uh, the Amazon Echo, which is a little speaker that you put in your your kitchen, they're always listening. Yeah. So, you know, with my iPhone and even Android phones now with the the Google Now feature or OK Google, um, you can actually talk to your phones. Uh, I can talk to my iPhone 6S saying, you know, uh, hey Siri and ask it a question. But that means that it's always listening. Yeah. Um, As soon as you get voice activation... You have to have devices that are always kind of listening. Now, the question is, how much is it listening? Is it always listening to what you're saying? It always is. And where does that data go? Because you're seeing a lot of toy manufacturers trying to create these new toys where kids can talk to the toy. 
And what they're finding is that you can get a database of all these conversations kids are having with these toys. And the question is, where is that data going? What if hackers could infiltrate into that data and learn stuff and, about and, you? And they will be able to, right? And it's the same thing with these um, these webcams and these home monitoring cameras now. There's like websites out there that basically display all the unprotected video feeds from all these cameras. Yes, openly. The openly. Openly. I've, I've checked you them would, out. You would be blown away by how unsecure a lot of these cameras are. Yeah, and most of them are like driveway cams and just like simple cameras that people have around their house. But sometimes they've had cameras of people who are facing a baby cam on, yes. their, on their child. Yeah. And... If you don't protect it, you're going to open up that portal. Even if you do and the hacker is motivated, they might be able to find. As long as their data is sitting on a server somewhere, somebody is going to try to access it. And what I've noticed that, especially with humans and have we seen technology uh, progress, if it provides convenience for you, you will like basically forego your privacy if it can kind of help you in your life. It's, it's really slowly eroded away over the past 10, 15 years. There's no question. So definitely something that uh, we will be keeping our eye on here on Get Connected and, and keeping you in the loop, but something that you really should be aware of uh, as well. When we come back from the break, will the uh, CRTC be uh, actually uh, going after some of the streaming services? Will they try to regulate them more than they, they do now? We'll talk about that, and uh, we'll be taking your calls in a little bit as well. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Andy Barrar. Talking tech today. We'll uh, be going open line in a little bit as well, taking your tech calls and questions. Uh, Andy, uh, I don't know if you saw this uh, story by our friend uh, Peter Nowak. Uh, it was uh, on the CBC News website. Uh, Netflix, CRTC. We've got a lot of these streaming services now that are becoming more and more popular. Uh, Netflix, Show Me, Crave. Uh, these are very appealing to a large... Uh, amount of Canadians, North Americans. Uh, you know, basically you can pay a low fee, $8 a month, for example, and get literally hundreds if not thousands of TV shows and movies that you can stream to your computer, your smartphone, tablet, uh, or even your television now. And CRTC has typically regulated the broadcasters in Canada, you know, the CBCs, the Globals, uh, but they've kind of given a pass to the streaming services right now. There's an exemption for new media. And will that change in the future? And should the CRTC regulate these new media streaming services? I think the fundamental question, Mike, is what is television? In this digital age, is television the stuff that you get from your traditional broadcaster? Because the lines have become blurred. You're seeing more and more people consuming their content via streaming services and apps and, and streaming boxes that you could buy for your television. Those are subscription-based. And if you're getting more and more content that way, who, and you, you have, like, say, a, a grievance over, say, a program that you've watched. Who do you complain to? Do you complain directly to Netflix, which is based in the U.S., or do you complain to the CRTC? No one really knows because this just happened over the last couple of years, and the reg there's really no regulatory body for that type of streaming service. But it looks like in 2016 the CRTC is saying that we're going to start looking into this because we got to figure out who is going to regulate this because streaming services are a global entity – but they are still localized for different countries. 
everybody knows that you, the Canadian Netflix is different from the U.S. Netflix. So that in itself says that, you know, okay, there is something intrinsic about this Canadian Netflix package. And Canadians, if they have an issue with that, they need to go somewhere. And right now, we just don't know. Well, from what I've read, uh, the CRTC's had about f- almost 500 complaints about Netflix over the past uh, several years. Uh, I think less than 50 for Show Me and Crave. Uh, and again, if you've got complaints, that's what you do. You contact the CRTC um, but can they really do anything about these complaints against the streaming services right now? Probably not. Um, but it's it's interesting. You know, I, I look at Canadian content as well, Andy. And, you know, it's been mandated uh, since, you know, as far as I can remember, that the broadcasters have to spend X number of dollars uh, towards creating Canadian content. The streaming services don't have those same regulations. And as we see the streaming services... Uh, grow in popularity and television may be decreasing, uh, will there be a mandate for them to put money towards Canadian content? Because so far we haven't seen that. And that's the big issue right now because if you have a grievance, say, with one of the broadcasters in Canada, typically that goes through the Canadian Broadcast Council. Um, The question is, for the streaming services, is this a broadcast issue or is this a telecommunications issue? Because it's the network's Uh, are typically on the broadcast side, but the telecommunication companies, which basically are now running different streaming services like Show Me, which is run through the Shaw-Rogers partnership, and then there's also Crave TV, which is run by Bell. Now, is that a telecommunication property or a broadcast thing? It's really, really hard to tell. And I think this year, the CRTC wants to finally define that to know what regulatory body has to deal with that kind of uh, who has jurisdiction on streaming services and really we don't really know right now yeah it's going to be interesting Uh, you know a lot of people uh, say that uh, the government or broadcasters shouldn't be pumping money into um, these mandated Canadian content rules but you know you have to look at it a large chunk of the programming on Canadian television right now is supported through these these funds and by taxpayers uh, as well through uh, Canadian government tax credits for the TV and film industry. So um, so a lot of people don't like that. But at the same time, if those were to dry up tomorrow, uh, it would put tens of thousands of people out of work. Uh, but at the same time, should they be mandated so that we do have this Canadian voice out out there? But can you mandate something like that in the Internet age where content truly is global? Well, the issue is even if they did mandate it, they need to know they need data to know if it's working. The CRTC asked Netflix at a hearing to give them data about Canadian viewing habits, and Netflix is like, "No, we don't. <laughs> we don't have to give you that information. That's you know, we we need to keep that away from our competitors, so we don't want to make that public that kind of information. So even if they were trying to mandate Canadian content to a service like Netflix or a Show Me or a Crave TV." They still have to have some kind of jurisdiction to get that type of data because right now they can ask the broadcasters about their viewing habits of of Canadians and they can get that. But on a streaming service, how do you how do you tell Netflix, which is based out in San Francisco, hey, you have to give us this data because uh, and you also have to pay into this Canadian fund to get Canadian content on Netflix. Yeah, it'll be interesting, though, because um, the CRTC might have some muscle in the future to get Netflix to play ball because the broadcasters now have their streaming services. So if the CRTC one day says, hey, Netflix, uh, we've got these new rules. You also have to put some money towards Canadian content. And if Netflix says, you know, no, CRTC, go suck it, um, 
basically, I'm sure Rogers, Bell, and, and all the other internet service providers would be happy to play ball with the CRTC to block mm-hmm. you know, the Netflix but to a lot of their, their customers. Okay, I already know. If Netflix was blocked in Canada, guys like you and myself are going to find ways to circumvent that. Because what we've seen, and everyone always talks about cord cutters, cord cutters, right? But there's an entire different group, the cord nevers. And I'm like the poster child of that because I've never had a cable subscription. I use over-the-air HD antenna to get local content. I have a subscription to Netflix to watch content from Netflix. But then I also have another little uh, streaming box called the Raspberry Pi, something that we both kind of built ourselves, to find other TV content that's not available on Netflix. So between that three, I basically can get almost any kind of content that uh, I want to consume. And that's going to become more and more popular, especially if we have younger groups are starting to buy homes and, and live and move out. They're not going to get a cable subscription, so the CRTC has to figure out some way of mandating some type of jurisdiction on the streaming services to ensure that we still have Canadian content, because that, that model has proven to, to work in Canada to create Canadian content, but times have changed a lot. You know what? Uh, we're going to open up the phone lines uh, for the last half of the show. We'll take your tech calls on any uh, topic that we've been talking about today. Uh, should the CRTC regulate the streaming services? Uh, how do you feel about privacy now in the digital uh, age? And if you've got any uh, tech support issues, we can help you out with that as well. The phone number is, again, 604-280-9898, 604-280-9898. And if you're phoning anywhere else in North America, we've got a toll-free number for you. It's 1-877-399-9898. We'll take your calls back after this break. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Andy Barrar. We're talking technology today, and we've opened up the phone lines, taking any of your tech calls or questions. 604-280-9898. If you're phoning anywhere else in North America, 1-877-399-9898. We'll jump here to the phone lines. We've got uh, John from Surrey. Hey, John. Hey, guys. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. What can we do for you? Yeah, I was just wondering if you guys could recommend a good Bluetooth keyboard for my iPhone 5C, maybe in the 50 to $100 price range. Bluetooth keyboard, yeah, that's uh, a great question. That's kind of the nice thing about uh, smartphones and tablets. They've got uh, what's called wireless Bluetooth connectivity, so you can hook all sorts of uh, devices to them wirelessly. Um, I always like Logitech stuff. Me Andy. too. Uh, you can never go wrong with that. Or Belkin is another great uh, manufacturer. Uh, I know London Drugs, if you go down to their computer department, they've got a whole range of these uh, different types of keyboards. And, and the guys there, they're awesome, very knowledgeable uh, on that. But, uh, yeah, Logitech and Belkin, you can't go wrong with uh, any of those. And the nice thing is there's all sorts of different shapes and sizes to them as well. Now, he mentioned that he was looking to use it with for his iPhone. Yes. But my suggestion is because you're you're going to go in the market for a Bluetooth keyboard, you want to get one that you could use for other purposes, other devices as well. Uh, you mentioned Logitech. They they make probably the best Bluetooth keyboards, in my opinion. And they got they got these new ones that also have trackpads built in on the right-hand side. So this is kind of good if you ever want to use this Bluetooth keyboard for your laptop or for other devices like, say, a streaming player. Because now you got both the mouse function and the keyboard built in. The other thing, if you're really looking for a, a good multi-use Bluetooth keyboard, there's a company called Canex. K-A-N-E-X. And they make this beautiful Bluetooth keyboard, uh, very Apple-esque type of keyboard. 
But what makes it different is that it has three different Bluetooth buttons on it. So you could have up to three different devices you could use with this one keyboard because they have Bluetooth 1, Bluetooth 2, and Bluetooth 3. So that's a great multi-use uh, keyboard. It's a full one with the numeric pad and full keyboard on that. Probably retails about $80 if I remember correctly. Um, you might have to buy it online. I don't know if any of the local retailers, but check at London Drugs. Check out the Logitech keyboards that are on the market and uh, maybe look at the Canix one online as well to see if uh, that can solve your needs. Yeah, have a look at the uh, the Logitech Keys to Go keyboard. It's a very uh, portable flat type keyboard uh, that, uh, you know, if you're on the go and carrying this in like a little laptop bag or something like that, uh, very easy to carry. And uh, it will work with uh, an iPad if you've got something like that down the road. Yeah, they have different types of keyboards based upon portability yeah. or if you want just something at the home. I use uh, a Logitech one for the Raspberry Pi. Oh, you do? So right in the living room, yeah. I have a nice track. And it's awesome because I do a lot of search on there. Yeah. And I have the trackpad so I can search for a TV show. And add it as a favorite and then start streaming it and do the typical marathoning that people do. Yeah, speaking of um, wireless uh, keyboards and stuff, uh, my Apple TV, my new one, which you know I love, that the remote is uh, driving me crazy. Really? Yeah. How come? Well, I love the trackpad. It's got a trackpad right on the remote itself. But uh, for watching videos, it's super sensitive. So if I even touch that little trackpad while I'm watching a video, a lot of times it'll skip the video ahead forward or backwards. So I got to I got to get another remote I think well, like a backup video remote. Well, I wonder if there's a sensitivity feature on ah, that. Good thing, yeah. I got to I got to check that out. In the yeah, because typically they they do have it. Because some people they interact with touchpads uh, differently, so you might want to check that out. We are taking your calls today here on Get Connected. Any tech calls six zero four two eight zero nine eight nine eight. If you're phoning long distance anywhere one eight seven seven three nine 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 eight nine eight. Going to talk to Wes in Regina. Hey Wes. Oh, good morning. How you uh, doing? Not too bad. Uh, I have something interesting happening, and I don't know how to fix this. Uh, I'm using uh, 2007 Windows, uh, oh, uh, Outlook 2007. I'm getting all my emails into my deleted items box, and I'm getting dupli duplicate copies. Like, I'm getting two of everything. What is going on? Any idea? That's interesting. And um, who's your email provider? Uh, oh, it's uh, Access, in, uh, our local... Uh, service uh here yeah your local isp isp yeah that's interesting so he's getting duplicate emails on everything and they're also going into his deleted box any thoughts there andy well the first thing is you got to isolate where this issue is happening is it happening from your isp provider who is giving you that email yeah or is it happening within outlook itself the first thing i would do is you have to check in for your security settings and the filtering uh for like junk mail yeah inside outlook They've changed it with the new Outlook. I was looking, and it's not the same as it used to be. But there are different levels of degree. Because what, what Outlook tries to do is tries to recognize what is spam and what is a legitimate email. And sometimes what it'll do is automatically move things into your trash. In this case, this is a deleted uh, email uh, folder, which is kind of I've never really heard of before. Yeah. But it, your email could be getting directed uh, by one of these filtering systems directly into that. So that's the first thing you want to check. Another is to uh, look at the ISP level, wherever it is that you would assign your password for that email, see if you have issues. Um, I, might, I might almost like get your settings for your email, uh, delete the account, and add it back on. Add it back on yeah. just to see if that kind of fixes things up. Yeah. And if that doesn't work, 
contact your ISP and see what's going on. Exactly. And you could always, uh, you know, a simple Google check might help for the version of Outlook that you have because if it's happened to you, it's probably happened to someone else and they have might have uh, asked that question in a form online. That's usually how I solve most of my problems, specific ones for, for a specific program. But uh, yeah, it, right now you just got to isolate where that issue is happening. Is it Outlook or is it your ISP email provider? Taking your calls here on Get Connected. Any uh, tech issues, we can answer that for you. If you want some buying advice, uh, we can help uh, give you some thoughts on that too. 604-280-9898. is the toll-free number. When we come back, we will take more of your calls. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs, here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with Andy Barrar. We're taking your tech calls and questions. In a little while, we'll uh, be doing App of the Week with Christina Stoyanova. It's a really cool app this week, Andy, so I'm uh, pretty excited. The, the, the deal was she wasn't supposed to tell you or me so that... She know. told me before the show. But anyway, it's... I don't it's, know, so... <laughs> <laughs> That's all that matters. 604-280-9898. We're going to jump here to... Is it Cheryl? Cheryl. Cheryl, how are you doing, Cheryl? Great. What can we do for you? First time I spoke this morning. Oh, no worries. <laughs> yeah, I just want to give you guys uh, props and thank you so much for the Christmas gift that keeps on giving because um, you talked about the Asus phone and, and gave it some good reviews and I checked it out and I went to NCIX and picked one up at a really reasonable price. Yeah. And uh, everybody that sees it, even Fido, all the phone guys, everybody at his work, everybody loves it, and he does a lot of research. So he's finding out all the things that this phone does, and he's in love. So it's like Christmas every day. Oh, that is that is so awesome! I'm uh, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that uh, all worked out for you. Yeah, and it's unlocked. So yeah. if he wants to change carriers or whatever, dual SIM as well. It's got two yeah. SIM slots. Yeah, so you could put uh, another SIM, so you can have two different numbers. If you're traveling, yeah, that's yeah. kind of cool. Yeah, it's very cool. And the expandable memory. It's just really oh. an awesome phone. And, and, so. and it's got four gigabytes of RAM, which most phones don't even have. So it makes it fast. So it makes yeah. it fast. And you can have multi-apps on there without without any kind of lag. So it's yeah. a it's a fantastic phone. That's the yeah. Asus Zen phone. Yeah. Uh, great, great and, little phone from, and, from Asus. And, and if it wasn't for you guys, Christmas wouldn't be so successful. <laughs> <laughs> So thanks a lot. Oh, no worries. Thanks for phoning in, Cheryl. No, it's interesting. Uh, I know AJ, uh, yeah. who's also on the TV show with us, uh, he's got a, an Asus yes. Zend phone right now and liking it. Well, what Asus did, and this was kind of brilliant strategy. Typically, when you come up with a smartphone, you have to pair with one of the carriers, and then you have an exclusive deal with like a Telus or a Bell. Yeah. What Asus did is said, you know what? We're not even going to like talk to the carriers. We're just going to build this phone. We're going to make it available to everybody. It's going to be unlocked. You could put two SIMs in it, expandable memory, four gigabytes of RAM, and this thing brand new is probably like around $400. So it hits that mid-tier price point. Has no, you don't have to sign a contract to do it. You can just buy it, put your own SIM in it, and use it. And they've actually got good market share because of that. And I don't think any other manufacturer was doing that. No, it's uh, it's a nice little phone. It's got a beautiful screen on it. And you know, we're seeing more and more of that now. Manufacturers just selling these unlocked phones to all the retailers. You don't have to get locked into any contracts or anything like that. So, uh, you know, it's I think it's a good deal. And you know, 
these unlocked phones are ranging anywhere in price from 100 to $400. I know $400 sounds like a lot, but it's not really because when you look at some of these other phones like uh, you know the Samsung Galaxy phones and the iPhone 6s and all that, the, those phones are like eight, nine hundred dollars. Yeah. So you you might think you're getting a cheap deal because the carrier is locking you in for two years, but believe me, you're paying that in the in the end. Yeah. If you were trying to buy a 64 uh, gigabyte iPhone 6s right now, like the top of the line, unlocked, you're looking at paying around a thousand dollars. So then you can get something that's very comparable spec wise for about four hundred dollars. Uh, you know that you got a winner there. It is running Android. And one of the problems I have with Android is all the manufacturers put their own skins on top. Yeah. But you can get what's called launchers, Android launchers. And Google makes one called Google Now. It's a launcher. And it gives it a very clean kind of very Nexus-like look to any Android phone. So it doesn't matter what kind of phone you get. You can have that same vanilla Android experience uh, despite whoever makes that phone, as long as it's Android. Yeah, so you know, there's a number of different manufacturers doing this now. Uh, Samsung's doing a few of them. Uh, Asus, big. Motorola. Motorola's, uh, I think, done well with yeah, that as well. Yeah, the, the Moto G is probably one of the most popular phones in the world right now. It's yeah. like the number one phone in South America. Yeah, Acer G- as well. Acer, exactly. They yeah. make a, a great phone as well. Like, It's funny, every manufacturer has a phone these days. So yeah. There's so much choice for consumers, and it can get confusing to know which one's right for you, which is why we review just about all of them. And then we can kind of help lead people to whatever. What are you using now? Uh, I'm using the Motorola Moto X Play. You're you're the Motorola man. The battery life on this phone is just fantastic. Usually I would have to charge sometime in the day. But with this one, it has like 2,600 milliamp. Sorry, maybe a 3,200 milliamp uh, battery. It is a big phone. It took me a while to get used to that five and a half inch screen. But the battery life is just fantastic. So I'm a total Motorola guy. uh, just because I, I like that vanilla Android experience that it comes with, the stock Android. Yeah, they've, uh, I think they've done well over the past uh, couple of years here, especially coming out with it's, the unlocked you phones. Know, out of all the manufacturers, like there's no more like uh, Nokia phone. Well, I guess there is. The Lumia is on Microsoft's side. But all the original phone manufacturers, I think Motorola is the only one that still exists today. So they've definitely innovated, and uh, they got a good price point too. For, like, for what you're buying and what you get, it's probably going to win phone of the year just because of that. Well, it looks like we're going to have to uh, take another break. Uh, but when we do come back, we will uh, take another couple calls and also hear App of the Week from Christina. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here in the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. Get Connected, Mike Andy here. It's that time of the week. Christina Stoyanova with her app pick. Thanks for coming in the studio. Thanks for having me. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you too. And so before the show, Andy, I got a chance to actually try this app with Christina, and it's amazing. Yeah, it makes me look like a golden god. <laughs> no wonder you like it. <laughs> Do tell. Spoiled it because you gave it away to Andy. Oh, okay. I know. It's a surprise. Well... It's kind of half surprised now. So yeah. tell tell the listeners what it is. Um, so this is the Microsoft Selfie app that they've just released for iPhone. Oh, just a second. I think uh, people can't hear Christina's uh, microphone oh, here. Looks like we have some mic issues. Ironic on a tech show, we have mic issues. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, uh, uh, Christina, the app this week is? It's the Microsoft Selfie app. And what does it do that's different than the regular camera app? Uh, so what it does is that it actually makes you look better in the selfies that you take. So which, which was quite amazing because 
I usually think I look pretty good in my selfies. Right. <laughs> okay, I'm kidding. But this thing is amazing because it took years off my face. Yes. So it actually cleans up any blemishes and uh, all of that good stuff and uh, cleans up the noise in your photos and things like that. What I found interesting is there's actually a little slider as well. So you take a selfie yeah. of yourself uh, and then you can actually then use this slider to uh, determine how how young you want to look. Yeah, well, it actually doesn't, it decides for you, but then you can actually tone down how much cleaning up it did. If you feel like it's a little too unrealistic, you can tone it down a little bit. Because you have a crazy face and it made you look normal. Thanks, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) See, Christmas is over. I don't have to worry about uh, Christmas till next year now. You're already getting a lump of coal from me for sure. And uh, this is available for what platforms? Uh, just iOS at the moment, which is odd considering that it's a Microsoft app, but we'll see where they take it. And how much is it? It's free. Free from the App Store. What does Microsoft get out of this? Uh, well, they're implementing their um, their machine learning software and testing that out. So we saw that with the um, web app that analyzed your face to guess how old you are so they're actually putting that into this app yeah i didn't like that one i guess <laughs> i was 60 which you nothing wrong with being 60 but not when you're in your 40s well i'm just gonna leave that one alone but now with the selfie app i can take a picture of myself and make myself look like i'm 20 there you go and that's pretty exciting uh and it's called the selfie app it's called the microsoft selfie app yeah very cool Andy, I think we'll take another call here before the end of the show. We've got a few uh, people hanging on the line. Don, how are you? Hi. What can we do for you? Um, I, I have a question. Just a second. Oops, sorry. No I worries. I can hear myself echoing. Um, I, I want to be able to stream material from the Great Courses program onto my Samsung TV. Okay. And it, one of the alternatives, I gather, that the Great Courses offers is Roku. And I don't have Roku. I currently have a, a dongle in my TV that allows me to get Netflix and whatever else. But I can't get... Um, and Samsung recently deleted Google Play from the options that I had. Oh, interesting. And so I wondered. I was in London Drugs, and I saw that they sell something from for Roku um, for that will... So US... Um, not USB, it's... Uh, HDMI? HDMI stick, and yep. I wonder if you had any experience with those. Yeah, Andy, uh, Roku, again, one of the uh, big streaming companies out there. You can buy their little boxes, uh, hook it up to your TV. They also have a little stick now uh, that plugs into the side of your TV that's got Wi-Fi built in that'll hook into your internet connection. Yeah, and uh, it, basically, as long as your um, television has an HDMI port, it, this looks like a, a USB stick, but you just put it in, and then you can basically get Wi-Fi access uh, you connect it via Wi-Fi, and then you can basically use the, the Roku platform on your television. By the way, that Great Courses series that you mentioned, uh, it's fantastic. I've, I've pretty much learned everything about the Roman Empire by watching one of these <laughs> series. Uh, it's, it's one of my favorites. It's, uh, so now he can take it to his TV. Now he can take it to his TV. I didn't even know it, they were available on Roku, so this is uh, great news for me as well because I do have a Roku at home. But, uh, yeah, it only costs about $60. I think it is available at London Drugs. Um, they have another one that's more kind of like the style of a puck. It's a little bit bigger. That one uh, is more towards like if you want to use it for casual gaming as well. 
Uh, it costs about $100, but the, the stick, the streaming stick, actually works fantastic. You get that platform, the Roku platform. Plus, and, it's, it's a bunch of apps. So you can have Netflix and stuff, too. Yes, you can get Netflix. There's a lot of different pay apps like the NHL or MLB, NFL. You can get all these different types of apps, but there's a lots of free content as well. So that's probably the easiest way. The only other way is you would have to download everything for the great courses and then move it using what's called all share play onto your Samsung television. But the Roku is the easiest method by far. Looks like that's all the time we have left. Stay tuned on our website all next week while we're down the Consumer Electronics Show, www.getconnectedmedia.com. And uh, the following Saturday, we'll be broadcasting live from Las Vegas, uh, talking about some of the, the cool things that we've seen uh, at the show. I want to thank uh, Andy Barrar, my co-host and producer, Christina Stoyanova, for coming in the studio with her app uh, and all the folks that helped put Get Connected together. We'll see you again next week.